Hello, everybody. Thank you for taking the time to join us today. Uh, my name is Christopher Heck. I'm a managing partner and co-founder of Tanager Wealth Management. Uh, and just wanted to, uh, to to thank you again for your attendance and for taking the time out of your day uh, to, to sit with us and speak about UK pensions for US residents. This is something I know is quite an interesting topic and quite a, a challenging topic to uh, wade through uh, and, and make sense of it all, um, particularly given a lot of us, uh, myself included, may do a tour of duty living abroad and then retire back to the US, as uh, I may very well uh, at some point. And with that, you'll have a significant piece of your you know, retirement income and assets, perhaps in a UK pension. But it's not necessarily the easiest thing to manage that UK pension or to, to use it as a source of retirement income uh, when you are a US resident. For various reasons, a lot of the UK pension providers uh, don't particularly care to deal with US residents, mainly around regulation and, and some of the legal challenges uh, that they perceive they have when in fact they may or may not. So before we get started, I just wanted to give you a little bit of background about Tanager Wealth Management and ourselves. Uh, we were founded in 2012. So we've been uh, going as an entity for a bit over 10 years, uh, focusing on the transatlantic life that um, many of us in the office lead ourselves. Uh, we have offices in London and Philadelphia, and we're experts in working with the challenges of financial planning, investment management, and estate planning uh, for people who may have a foot on both sides of the pond. Uh, we're authorized and regulated in both countries, the US and the UK. Uh, we work with around 700 households uh, in total. So there's a very good chance that we've seen it all before. And there's a very good chance that we're actually eating our own cooking and uh, have found the solution that you might need yourself uh, for ourselves and our households and our families. Um, all of our advisors are qualified in both countries and have uh, firsthand experience of, of the challenges we face as, a, as American expats. So with us today, we have two fantastic uh, speakers, Kyle Pettigrove and Abbas Samji, both of whom are partners and financial advisors at Tanager Wealth Management, both of whom uh, have a foot on each side of the pond themselves, and both of whom have clients uh, who are US or UK residents and have pensions in perhaps both countries. So well-placed uh, to comment and help understand the challenges and more importantly, the solutions uh, that are necessary uh, for a family such as ours. So we're going to have uh, a quick kind of uh, overview of what we perceive the common questions are and what we've, we've heard from most people and indeed what we asked ourselves when we were uh, getting into this. Um, understand kind of the basics of what a, a UK pension is because they are set up and structured ever so slightly differently than our standard US IRAs and 401ks that we're probably more familiar with ourselves. Um, looking at some of the very important challenges around the foreign exchange and how to plan for it. And then last but not least, because you always leave the, the drum roll for the end, uh, what the solutions are for US residents. So I would just point out a few things that at the bottom there is a Q&A uh, button. So do feel free to type in some questions as they, uh, as they come up. Uh, and we'll certainly do our best to get to all the questions. We've had seven or eight uh, sent in advance that we can also work with. Um, and then, you know, again, do ask as many questions as you can. Uh, this is for your benefit, not for ours. Uh, certainly Kyle Abbas and myself understand the topic and we literally wrote the slides. So this is not for our benefit. This is for you to get as much as you can out of this uh, next 40 or 45 minutes together. So with that, I'd like to hand it off to my partner, Kyle Pettigrove, to take over and just discuss some of the common issues and questions that we've seen and we've heard from uh, clients over the 10 years we've been doing this. Kyle? Thanks, Chris. 
and welcome everyone. So uh, as Chris has mentioned and given me a, a very generous intro, uh, I have been with Tanager for seven years now. I am a certified financial planner and like all advisors at Tanager, I'm duly licensed in both the US and the UK. However, the, the last four of those years that I've been with Tanager, I've been in Philadelphia on the ground in the US focusing mainly on our US resident clients, which uh, are sometimes British expats, sometimes they're dual US UK families, uh, sometimes they're former uh, British expats who are American citizens who came home with uh, leaving assets in the UK. Regardless of the fact that the common thread is that I work with a lot of US residents who have UK pensions or UK assets in their greater household uh, financial picture. So we're gonna start off today with some of the most common issues and questions that I've seen. Uh, and indeed we've all seen at Tanager, I think, but these are the things that we see most often on a day-to-day -day basis when we're interacting with our own clients and prospects. And uh, indeed some of you actually submitted questions almost to the letter, uh, very similar to these prior to this, uh, to the webinar via the registration, uh, there was a question field. So hopefully we can get in front of some of your questions right away. Um, but these regardless, I think will be helpful to many of you. So the first and most common, um, it's not very uh, exciting, I don't think, but can I transfer my UK pension to the US? And really that question is, should be better worded as, can I transfer my UK pension to a US pension? Uh, and I get this one quite a bit. The, the very quick and short answer of that is no. Uh, while the UK does allow for transferring their own pensions outside of the UK uh, via something called a QROP or a Qualified Registered Overseas Pension, uh, the US would never recognize that. So if you're a US resident or a US taxpayer, which for the purposes of this presentation, I'm going to assume you are, because that's really the theme here that we're talking about today. Uh, if, that, if that is you, the answer is no, because broadly speaking, under the language of the US-UK tax treaty, any transfer outside of the UK pension system to another country's pension is going to be broadly viewed as a taxable event. So while it's not impossible, it's not wise often because it's going to be a fully taxable transfer. So that begs the question, then what do I do? Uh, if you're a US resident with a UK pension, perhaps even retiring and spending the rest of your life in the, in the US, well, there are options and we're gonna discuss many of those today, but there are a lot of problems and issues that come with that as well. So if you are going to transfer um, out of your, your, your current UK pension, which you can do as long as you keep it kind of within the UK pension uh, net in the UK, onshore we'll say, uh, do I really need advice from a financial advisor to move my UK pension? That's another one we get quite often. And the answer is yes. The reason that we get that question is because for those of you who have been in the US for quite some time, that's an unfamiliar concept. You can typically take your US 401k or employer pension and pick it up and move it to an IRA if you leave that job or retire quite easily. You can do it pretty much without even talking to a human um, on, on a lot of the, the, whether it's a Charles Schwab or a Fidelity app. It's quite easy, it's quite streamlined. However, in the UK, uh, since a day back in 2006, uh, there are many more regulations and processes and systems involved in moving a UK employer pension to a UK individual pension or, or any kind of alternative that might be more suitable for your needs, especially as a US resident. So we'll get into that a bit more later. I don't want to belabor that just yet. 
Uh, another one we get is my UK pension provider only allows for annuity style benefits. So do I have any other options? This is more common with defined benefit pensions. And if you're unfamiliar with that concept, I will cover that in about two slides. Um, but many UK pensions are set up to provide a lifetime income stream. So it's not so much you have a, an account uh, with, with money and you, you very well might, but when, you, when it comes time to claim your benefits, oftentimes the pension provider wants you to take an annuity uh, and they'll go out and either purchase the annuity or perhaps they offer it in-house, but it will provide an income stream for the rest of your life. And this, this causes all kinds of risks for US resident retirees. Uh, over a long period of time, this locks you into a fixed stream of GBP or pound-based income when you're living and consuming and spending in US dollars. And you, you've got this huge period of time over retirement where you, you're relying on a certain amount of money to fund your lifestyle. And you have the unknown, which is the FX fluctuations between the pound and the dollar that really makes an annuity style benefit unpredictable in the amount of income it provides you and the purchasing power it provides you in your day-to-day -day life in the US. So uh, that's another one we get quite a bit. Can you provide UK pension advice for a US resident, uh, you being Tanager? And yes, we can provide UK pension advice for defined contribution pensions. Again, I will cover what a defined contribution versus a defined benefit is in just a slide, but we cannot do it for defined benefits, though we do have a solution in place that facilitates that. We have to work with an outside advisor, and there's many reasons for that, which I will get into in just a bit. The last one is, will I pay US or UK tax? when I start claiming my UK pension benefits? This is another big one, and it's a very nuanced question with very nuanced answers, depending on your own uh, particular situation. Um, how you claim your benefits and how they are paid to you will dictate who has the right of taxation, the US or the UK, under the US-UK tax treaty language. And that is actually a great time to throw in a disclaimer that we at Tanager, uh, we are experts in, in this, field, uh, which is very heavily dependent on understanding tax and the US-UK tax treaty and how things are taxed in one country versus another. However, we are not accountants at Tanager, and we work very closely and we insist on working very closely with all of our clients, accountants and tax professionals when carrying out a lot of our recommendations and giving advice on these things because unfortunately life is not always black and white. It can be gray many times and in Quite often when you're dealing with UK pensions, when you're a US taxpayer, you're dealing with a lot of gray areas of tax law. And that's because the tax treaty between the US and the UK was written in the 1970s. And a lot of these concepts and products and benefits that you're seeing today in the UK pension system just simply did not exist back then. So there's a lot of interpretation for how, how does this apply today when it's not explicitly addressed in the tax treaty that was written in the 70s. And because of that, you know, there comes a point where you really do need a team of a financial advisor who's, who's giving you the advice and the solution uh, and addressing the issues, but you also need a tax professional in the mix uh, to address these gray areas, how they'll interpret this will be taxed in that country. Uh, so as we go through this presentation, we will talk a lot about tax, but I just wanted to put that out there that at any point, we'll do our best to address your questions around tax, but we really do insist on getting a tax professional in the mix when things get too in the weeds. So those are some of the common questions. Um, here I'm gonna talk about more of the common issues at a very high level. And we've grouped them into three categories, being control, access, and planning. 
Now, these are issues that we see people deal with both before and after time to it's time to claim the benefits. So sometimes you're dealing with a lot of these issues when maybe you're in your 40s and you're still working and you have a, a legacy pension in the UK from 10 years of working there before you move to the US. Uh, and you, this is just these issues come up when you're just trying to manage it and just trying to keep it incorporated in your your retirement planning uh, efforts. Then some people might be on the brink of retirement or in retirement and ready to claim benefits. And these issues become even more front and center. And there's even some new issues that, that come up at that stage of life. So regardless of where you are today, you're most likely going to encounter some of these issues at some stage in managing your UK pension as a US resident. So let's talk about control first. So with control, we're talking mainly about US resident issues and their lack of ability to control their pension and the bells and whistles inside of it while they're a US resident. This of course assumes that your pension provider knows you're a US resident. So I will not go and touch on the case, which many people do, of leaving your UK address as your primary address on your UK pension account long after you move to the US. Because once your UK pension provider finds out you're a US resident, and they eventually will, um, things will change for you. So we're not even gonna go there, but let's assume that you have updated that and they know you're a US resident. A lot of these issues with control, and primarily these issues are limited ability to access and rebalance the investments inside of your pension, uh, limited ability to access and get answers to your questions with the client service teams at the pension providers or get access to the portal because you're logging in from a USIP address. Uh, th there's many of these, but it's really the it, it limits your ability while you're over here to do anything or, or change anything inside of the pension. And before you're claiming benefits, this primarily is surrounded around your ability uh, or has to do with your ability to rebalance the investments inside of it and keep it in line with your household investment strategy. Uh, the reason that you have issues is largely because of the second bullet point right here, FATCA. So this is, um, oh, switch slides. FATCA is a US regulation that was passed in 2010. Um, and basically it wasn't geared at, by the way, FATCA is the Foreign Account Tax and Compliance Act any of you are unfamiliar with what that stands for. Um, we won't go into the details of FATCA, but the effect of it is that the US imposed uh, regulations that are, sorry, imposed rules that forced any non-US financial institution to query their clients for anyone with a US connection or US taxpayer, US passport, and do special reporting on those people to the IRS each year. Well, it's no surprise that many firms uh, that were non-US and maybe didn't have too many connections to the US period, just said it's not worth the compliance risk, it's not worth the compliance cost to do this, so they just fired any US resident or US citizen client. Many other firms just simply took the approach of freezing anyone's with a US taxpayer status, any, uh, any of their ability to do anything really. So they froze their ability to rebalance their investments, they maybe froze their ability to um, have certain access to certain areas on their online portal. Uh, they, they basically just froze the ability to control or manage your pension from abroad because they were too afraid of the compliance risk of doing something wrong. So the answer was, well, let's not let them do anything and just have them call us when they're ready for their benefits. Um, this creates, and, and still today, is the reason behind many of these issues that we see people have limited ability to control and access their pensions from abroad. The last is the changing UK regulatory environment. So um, 
This goes back and starts really at A-Day back in 2006, which is a UK regulation that was aimed at uh, preventing mis-selling and predatory selling of financial advisors' products that, that were aimed at getting people to transfer their employer pensions into private pensions. Um, the reason this affects you is because this is the reason why you need UK financial advice to move your employer pension to an individual pension. And this is something that is often the solution for a US resident is moving your employer pension to an individual pension. It, it allows more flexibility, it allows more control, it allows more access. However, you need a financial advisor to often carry out advice to get this done. And that becomes very difficult for a US resident because very few UK IFAs are able, willing, or have the qualifications to even do so. Um, so you have a very limited pool of professionals out there who are willing to work with you on this. And, and generally speaking, that's because the advice has to be very complex and it has to look at your pension and your financial life through the scope of both the US and the UK lens. So let's talk a little bit about access. This is um, kind of a quick one because the three all kind of go hand in hand, technology, service, and reporting. These can be broadly summed up to the fact that the UK pension system and the pension providers and platforms out there, so the Avivas and the Standard Lifes and the Scottish Widows, they've not really built a great technology offering to begin with. Um, and so logging in and seeing your account and tracking performance and rebalancing your investments, it's all very limited to begin with. Throw in the fact that you're a US resident and perhaps logging in from a US IP address, which can also actually limit your ability on some websites. Um, they're just not equipped to handle you. Uh, the service teams are not familiar with the, the issues that a US resident might face. An easy example is, let's say you're retiring, you have a UK pension, you wanna collect your benefits, but you don't have a UK bank account. You don't even have an account that can receive sterling. So you need them to pay the benefits into a US dollar based account in the US. Something as simple as that can throw the service teams completely off. And I see it all the time with my clients. It causes hours and hours and hours of work and getting bounced around and escalated through the client service teams before you finally get someone who can actually help you. Um, it's, it's a nightmare and it's one little example where there's probably a 15 to 20 things just like it. So really this is just your time and how much you value your time in the period of time of your life when you're supposed to be enjoying your money and not worrying about this. Do you really wanna be sitting on the phone explaining to the service teams why you're a US taxpayer and they shouldn't withhold tax and they need to pay it in US dollars to a US-based account. These are all things that cause a lot of issues for people as they kind of approach and get to that point where they're ready to start claiming their benefits. The last is planning. So integrating with your household financial plan, having a team of professional advisors, both tax and financial, and perhaps even estate planning that understand these issues and can incorporate them and, and build a plan that works seamlessly to uh, address your goals and your financial goals, if you're a US resident with, with assets in the UK are probably not similar to many people that you know and see every day. Most of those people are either US residents who just have US things, or perhaps even British people who live in the UK and just have British things. But when you have both, you really need specialized advice and specialized planning to think ahead and address some of these things before they become even bigger issues. So. Integrating with your, your household financial plan, getting ahead of some of these issues, having a team of professional advisors, and just the uncertainty. And this will be something a boss will dive into in a bit, but the uncertainty is really around a lot of these gray areas of taxation that 
you know, how will this be taxed when I claim it? What will the foreign exchange rate be in 20 years after I start? What will be the US dollars that I actually receive? Even if the pension pays, we'll say 30,000 pounds a year, what do I actually get in dollars to spend each year? This uncertainty is that makes planning for retirement extremely difficult. So without a solution to really address that, you know, unless you have far, far uh, more money than, than one could fund. Certainty presents a serious risk to anyone's retirement plan over a long period of time. So I've talked quite a bit about uh, the issues and the questions that we get. out some terms like defined benefit and defined contribution. You'd be asking yourselves, well, what, do, what do these mean? Uh, what are these, what is a defined benefit pension? What do I have? Today, it's very rare that you're going to get uh, a defined benefit offered to you. Um, so, Defined benefit is going to offer you exactly what it says, a defined benefit in the future. So it's going to be a guaranteed income based typically on your final salary or some calculation, some actuarial calculation from when you work with them. That means the investment risk is with the provider. And that means that regardless of what the markets do, uh, they're required to pay that benefit and make ensure they're able to fund that. Um, that's a really great benefit for a lot of people, but for a U.S. resident, when you're talking about a U.K. defined benefit, it means that they're going to pay you a guaranteed amount. We'll go back to my example of 30,000 pounds a year. They're going to pay you 30,000 pounds a year for the rest of your life, let's say, and it's on them and they manage the investment risk, which is great for the, the pensioner because they don't have to worry about what the markets do, but it locks you, if you're the pensioner, into 30,000 pounds a year, which means that over the next 30 or 40 years or how, however long your retirement is, you know, you need to manage the risk of the FX at that point because you're getting 30,000 pounds. But if you're a US resident, you're spending dollars. So that 30,000 pounds might equal, you know, $40,000 one year and $35,000 the next. And it, as a boss will show you in a couple of slides, it could be even more than that, the, the discrepancy. So, uh, Defined contribution is where you're just can put you're putting money into an account, you're investing it. The investment risk is with the pensioner, but you have this this pot of money that is yours. And we'll get to this third row right here, the UK tax-free lump sum in just a second. Um, oh, in just a second. But the other benefits that are important to know with a defined benefit, if you are to pass away, the pensioner, there's typically you don't have an account with your name on it. You have a benefit, an income benefit, and every plan's different, but typically there's a survivor benefit for your spouse or beneficiaries. Uh, this can be anywhere from you know, zero to 100% of the primary benefit, but let's say, because most commonly it's often quite often 50% of the benefit. When you're planning for your retirement, if the primary, primary pensioner were to pass away, is 50% of the benefit enough or the spouse or the beneficiary of the family to you know, survive for the amount of time that we were originally planning. That's an important consideration with defined benefits. With defined contributions, 
you have an account, you, it's yours, you have the investments, everything is yours. So when you pass away, the, the account simply transfers to your next in line or your beneficiary. Maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's your kids. But let's talk about the UK tax-free lump sum. And we'll just do this briefly because, again, we're going to cover this later on. But uh, this is an important concept to understand and look at. And indeed, it's something I talk about with my clients on, on a daily basis, almost clients with UK pensions. Um, I have a UK pension and do I get the UK tax-free lump sum? So in the UK, you get a pen, uh, at the commencement of your benefits, you are entitled to receive 25% lump sum tax-free. You can also take it as an income stream and, and have 25% of the income payments be tax-free. But what are the implications in the US? Is it tax-free in the US? This is the first of one of those gray areas that I mentioned above. And we have seen accountants from the big four to accountants that are independent shops but are still specialists in this area argue quite passionately on both sides of this. Some say that if you're a US resident with a UK pension, you are entitled to that tax-free lump sum and it will be tax-free in the US as well. Some people say that the tax treaty language between the US and the UK does not really allow provisions for that to be tax-free in the US and therefore it should be taxable in the US. This is really the first thing that we will, without question, want to discuss with your accountant if we're working with you. And, and we do this with all of our clients. We want to discuss with the accountant as to how they interpret this and how they'll treat it, because this can be a huge benefit to someone in the U.S. to get this 25% tax-free if it, it will be treated tax-free. Um, but you also don't want to take it without understanding how it will be taxed and then find out it is taxed in the U.S. and you've just taken 25% of quite a, maybe a large pension sum. Uh, and that's a taxable distribution. That, that could be a huge disadvantage to you. So understanding the type of pension you have, understanding the benefits available to you, and understanding how they work is going to be critical to addressing any of these issues. And before we know any of that, and this is kind of the first step when we're diagnosing our own clients, uh, we can't really provide advice on, on how to resolve a lot of these issues or how to best proceed if you're a U.S. resident with a U.K. pension. And with that, I'm going to hand it off to Abbas to talk a bit more into the nitty gritty of some of the really, really important planning considerations that you need to be thinking about as a U.S. resident with a U.K. pension. Thanks, Kyle. So when we talk about uncertainty uh, from a few slides back, uh, one of the key elements of uncertainty when we're dealing with a U.S. resident who has a U.K. pension is always going to be the volatility and the foreign exchange or the FX rate. Um, and this chart really outlines uh, from 1971 to present what that FX has looked like. Uh, you can see back in the 70s, uh, you know, the FX one pound was upward of two and a half dollars, the so $2.5. Uh, and today we're looking at half that amount at one pound is $1.25. And we even went down to a low of somewhere between 1.08 to 1.12, depending on um, how you look at the, how you calculate the, uh, the FX. So there is a big variation. Uh, and the reason this is a big concern is because a lot of people who have accumulated funds have accumulated over you know, decades or several years or decades. And when they move back, they when they started accumulating, they may have thought that, wow, this is a really good deal because I get to accumulate a UK or a pound pension. And because of the way FX has been in the past, it's going to be really good for me when I move back to the US. I'm going to have more US dollars to spend. 
Uh, and because I have more US dollars to spend, I'll have a lot less of an impact on my lifestyle from when I'm transitioning from my working life to my retirement life, or in fact, maybe even a better lifestyle in retirement because, you're, uh, because the conversion goes a lot further. But as you can see with this chart, you can't take that for granted. Uh, volatility exists, especially in the last, uh, in the last several years or so. Um, so if we go to the next slide, uh, you will see that uh, we're going through three different periods here. So prior to Brexit vote um, in 2016, uh, you can see in July 2014, one, doll one pound was $1.72. So that was a high FX. You know, a lot of people based their decision to come to the, to the, um, to the UK and then retire back in the US off of what the exchange rate was in the historical exchange rate. If you fast forward that to September 2022, uh, that FX went down all the way from one pound is $1.72 to one pound is $1.12. Now that is a big shift. If we look at that actual in actual numbers, if someone was uh, earning a pension or was withdrawing 30,000 pounds from their pension in 2014, they were withdrawing about 51,000 or 52, about $52,000. Uh, they were, that's how much they were Fast forward, you know, eight years, uh, they're now earning 34,000 pounds approximately. That's a big difference in income. You know, that's almost 20,000 reduction in income. Uh, you think of it, uh, think of it as if your social security payment was cut in half or your social security payment, which you are relying upon in retirement, um, just all of a sudden, you know, disappeared or didn't keep up with inflation in today's terms. Uh, it's equivalent to that, the FX volatility. Uh, so, if we look at what the current FX is, that is one pound is $1.23. So it's still about $37,000 or so and a 30,000 annual income. If we look at a 60,000 pound annual income, those numbers are even more dramatic. Uh, and really from your high in 2014, uh, over the last decade or so to uh, the low in 2022, that is a 35% loss in income. This is a big issue for a lot of people who move back to the U.S. because this is your, you know, a lot of your hard-earned life savings, and you're not you've now trans transitioned over from um, from your working life to retirement, and moving to retirement is you want to enjoy this. You want to be able to spend the money that you've earned. You want to be able to make sure that it lasts you uh, through through your retirement and through any you know uncertain times that you do have in the event you need you know. Yeah, healthcare issues and you want to spend on healthcare or an event you want to gift gift to kids with the rest of your assets, whatever it might be. Um, it is a it makes a big impact to your quality of life if you are having to worry about the FX uh, movement on an, on an annual basis and you're subject to that difference on an annual basis. So uh, there are going to be several Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, and, and there are actually uh, some some interesting implications as, as the CIO of the firm and so more interested in the investment portfolio behind all of this. Um, the challenges around actually managing it, let's say it is a defined contribution pension. So you can pick and choose what you're investing in, kind of like a 401k or an IRA. Uh, in fact, if you look at the, uh, the palette of, of paints that you're offered on a UK pension, uh, something on the order of half of them and probably all of the fixed income ones are going to be denominated in GBP. So even if you have the ability to pick and choose what you're investing in, you're probably not going to have the ability to completely immunize you know, that foreign exchange risk. 
um, that's present in your in, in in the pot of assets that you need to live on. And I, I don't know if you have a, a thought, Abbas, on you know how does that change your probability of success? Um, but bringing it into planning terms, I imagine losing 35% of your income is is bad. Yeah, it decreases your probability of success significantly. Uh, it also depends on whether you're relying on purely that income and what your other assets are and what your other goals are. So that decrease can make a big difference. So the question that was asked at the very beginning was, um, can I transfer my UK pension over to the US if you're moving back to the US? And Kyle very, uh, very accurately said, no, you can't. But there are going to be some solutions that you can utilize to maybe reduce some of the uh, currency risks, maybe reducing some of the, uh, um, getting rid of some of the uh, currency risks and having some sort of immunization against that risk. Uh, so from a planning perspective, there are three main aspects when it comes to UK pensions as a US resident that we wanna look at. Uh, and that's from a holistic financial planning perspective. Uh, if we can go to the next slide. So we've covered this one in depth, uh, the 25% tax-free lump sum. How does the IRS treat that for a US resident? Kyle has mentioned many a time that that is a gray area. So I'm not going to cover, I'm not gonna to speak too much about why it's a gray area. We've already kind of discussed that. However, that does go into the planning consideration because if we speak to your accountant and they have a, a certain view on how to treat the 25% lump sum, it does determine whether we take a lump sum or whether we take income. It also determines on what the rest of your income looks like, depends on what the rest of your assets look like, depends on what the, whether you're subject to you know, future RMDs from your US retirement plans. It, determines, uh, it depends on how much uh, your social security income is. Do you have other passive income that counts as earned income? Do you have any anything else in your tax return that we need to be considerate of. Uh, from a US and UK taxation perspective, can you utilize those foreign tax credits? Many of you who have lived in the UK will remember as you filed your US returns, there were always, there were probably always some form of US um, foreign tax credits, FTCs on your tax returns. And those FTCs, while they may have seemed useless at that moment in time, well, they might come in hand now. Uh, so we may want to uh, review your overall situation and see how can we use those FTCs. Is there a way to integrate that into your overall plan? And uh, how do we integrate uh, integrate that to making sure that your retirement income tax, so the, your remaining lifetime taxation throughout your retirement is as low as possible? And there's many different techniques that we're going to look at. One of the things we'll look at is, again, FTCs, lump sum, or do we take income? Um, <coughs> excuse me, uh, and uh, how do we begin to distribute your assets? What accounts need to be distributed first? Uh, what mixture of assets do we need to distribute? So from a standpoint of if you have a pension that is taxable and you have an IRA that is taxable, but you have a Roth IRA that is not taxable and you maybe have a brokerage account that is taxable at capital gains rates. Well, how do you mix your income buckets between all of these aspects and how do you reduce your uh, taxation throughout your retirement um, period on an ongoing basis. Uh, and, and then the last, Abbas, there was one interesting question here that, um, that that's been asked in the Q and A, and I just wanted to to get your thoughts on this um, about having a, a kind of a variable withdrawal rate or or using different sources. You mentioned the withdrawal um, withdrawing from different sources, whether Roth or an IRA or, or your UK pension or your your taxable savings, et cetera. Um, how how would you handle taking more out in a year when the FX was in your favor, and then I assume the opposite, you know 
taking less out um, in a year when the FX is not in your favor. Um, how would you and the other, you know, partners and financial advisors at, at Tanager handle kind of where to withdraw from from when? Yeah, so again, it depends. <laughs> As in financial planning, everything, the answer is it always depends and we need to look at it uh, from that particular period and we need to have a discussion around what makes sense, most sense at that moment in time. You have to remember that taxation is a big part of uh, your withdrawal strategy, right? So even if the FX is going to be in your favor, we need to determine what that uh, what that uh, distribution is gonna look like. So maybe in years where the FX is a more is a more favorable FX. Um, yes, we can look at maybe taking out a bit more. We also have to look at when your FTCs and how long do they last? How many years do you have to use your FTCs? Uh, so there's a lot of different considerations. It's not a straightforward answer, Chris, but it is a possibility to actually use the FX um, and, and time that. But that's the purpose of a, of a holistic financial plan, right? Is once you come up with a plan, you then make sure that you are reviewing it every several months or a year, or at least on an annual basis to determine the next 12 months and the plan for the next 12 months, the next 24 months. Uh, so you're always tweaking that to further reduce that lifetime taxation that we discussed. Um, the last bit there on the US UK taxation is integrating your advice with your other advisor. So having a professional advisor team. So you have a tax advisor and you have an estate planning advisor. Well, how do we maximize your position? Uh, and this is an interesting one uh, because again, you have you might have many different account types and we need to determine with, with the rest of your professional team on how to not only reduce your, your um, retirement income taxation, but if you have estate planning goals, if you would like to leave money behind to your family, if you would like to donate anything to charity, well, charity is not such a big component of this, but you'll get the tax deduction. But if you're looking to gift money to friends or family or anything along those lines, if the beneficiaries on your accounts are family members, well, which accounts make more sense to leave behind? What's more tax effective? So when we're going through the planning process, we need to determine, yes, re reduce your lifetime taxation through retirement, fantastic. But also what is your priority from a standpoint of reducing your lifetime taxation to reducing the headache that maybe your heirs will have uh, in the event you pass away? So do you wanna minimize that aspect of it? Um, how do you wanna, how do you want to um, plan for your overall estate tax exemptions? Uh, should you, should you be distributing your Roth right now, or actually should your Roth go to your uh, to uh, to your heirs? Should you have your UK pension that's left behind for your heirs, or should it actually be your IRA or your 401k? So we need to determine that level of planning as well. So we need to think further than just what you're going through and experiencing in this 12-month period or 24-month period or 10, 15, 30-year period. Um, the last thing there is lifetime lifetime allowances. Uh, so these do still apply to U.S. residents. Uh, so there are going to be LTA uh, issues with U.S. residents with their U.K. pensions. Uh, so we do need to plan for those. So there is an element of proactively planning to minimize any charges that you may subject may be subject to. Um, a lot of people won't be subject to them, but when you are subject to them, they can be quite uh, they can be quite harsh. Um, so we do want to take that into consideration. Uh, and most people think that, okay, I'm not, I'm no longer in the UK, therefore I'm not subject to these lifetime um, allowance allowances, but that's not quite accurate. So we need to look at what your protection is. We need to determine what your pension values are. We need to determine all the calculations and we need to actually proactively plan for that as well. And uh, that's a further element to reducing your, your lifetime taxation uh, throughout and your if retirement. 
And if I could just make sure everyone caught that one point, because um, there's a lot of good information in, in, in on this slide, um, is, is I know I have a client myself who is proactively planning her um, estate uh, to, to make it as easy and as less of a headache as possible for her future heirs. Um, long may it be in the future, but still she is thinking along those lines. And I know that one can one considerable piece is what to do with the sizable um, UK pension that her her late husband left her, and then who does she leave this to? Because I I don't know if she's going to be able to spend it all. Um, so again, you know, truly blessed to have this problem, but the it, the challenge is real. Um, how does she leave this to her four U.S. resident children, and perhaps fracture it four ways? So it's only one quarter the size. And then they inherit what would, I assume, be a much smaller pension at that point, because it's one fourth of whatever the remainder might be at that point in time, um, and then have all the administrative challenges. So there's a lot, uh, there's a lot of practical considerations that are aside from from the tax considerations when having a, uh, a UK pension and your US resident, um, such as the estate planning. So, so thank you for bringing that up. I think that's that's a really important, just practical angle um, that's often lost in the shuffle. Thank you, Chris. Um, so that does beg the question on, well, again, we go back to the very first question that was, uh, that we had on our slide is, uh, can you transfer a UK pension to the US? You've already established, no, you can't, but what can you do? Well, there are some solutions and the solutions are actually going to be immunizing that currency risk and managing that pension from in, in a dollar based account while maintaining the integrity of the pension wrapper around it. So there's a few things. Uh, that we can do. So one, obviously, since we're having this webinar, we are able to provide you with a solution that makes sense uh, for you. But before we actually go and tell you that, you know what, let's open up an account, let's transfer things over, let's do this uh, from an investment allocation perspective. Well, first, let's have a discussion around what your goals and objectives are. Let's look into what pensions you have. Let's talk about if you are going to be permanently in the US or you plan to move back to the UK. And then let's have a look at your pensions and, and determine um, if your current pension is suitable. If it's suitable, fantastic. We don't really have anything to do. Um, more than likely, it's not suitable, especially if you are looking to uh, retire and, and lead your life in the US on an ongoing basis. And if it's not suitable, then we need to figure out a way on how to ensure that your pension plan that is in the UK maintains its pension wrapper, but we are utilizing dollar-based investments inside of that pension. So when you are distributing um, in the future, you are distributing from uh, a pension that is essentially invested in dollars, distributing in dollars. Uh, you might have a small area where you have to reconvert it to pounds and then redistribute, reconvert it to dollars, but that's minimal uh, FX exposure. Uh, but the solution here that we would usually implement for a client who fits the profile here, is we would look to uh, make sure that you are immunizing that currency by no longer investing in a pension plan that is pound-based, that is going to have very much UK-based investments, because that is another problem with UK pension plans, like Chris mentioned, is that a lot of the pension plans will be heavily skewed toward a home bias, uh, which is often going to result in being invested in UK markets. Uh, so reducing the global um, element of your um, uh, pension. So providing you with a solution. And uh, the one thing we do pride or the few things we do pride ourselves on as a firm is we are, we focus on the costs of what we uh, solutions that we provide to our clients. So we are 
we look for the lowest cost uh, strategy. We're very transparent with our fees. Uh, we will always look to provide you with multi-currency reporting because you as, a, you as an individual or household who lived in the UK moving back to the US uh, and maybe even move somewhere else in the future, you, it, it's important. You're a global citizen, so we need to be able to be flexible, make sure we have the right reporting for you as well. Your investments are going to be USD denominated to support your lifestyle in the US in the future, either if you're in retirement now or in the future. Um, and then making sure that all of your accounts are consolidated from a US and UK perspective. That's your investment accounts, your pension plans uh, between the two countries and making sure that we have the right um, distribution strategy, the right asset allocation strategy, asset location strategy, owning the right things in the right accounts. Um, and then making sure that the pension advice, the pension transfer advice that we do provide you is appropriate for you as a US resident. Um, so there's a lot of different things that we need to take into account but those are the solutions that we provide now of course this is very specific to pensions but um as part of as part of our overall process uh, or a high high level um, aspect of our overall process is ensuring that you have the right financial plan in place so that everything starts with a plan um, and that's going to you know be anywhere from a 30 to 60 page document depending on how complicated you are outlining how should you be saving or how should you be distributing your assets? Where should your accounts be structured? What currency? How should you be invested? Uh, how do you leave money to your heirs? What is the best use of your FTCs? How do you begin to um, uh, distribute your assets for your family? And with that, oh, go ahead, Chris. That's, that's great, Abbas. Thank you very much. That's a, it's a, a lot of good information. Um, you know, there on, on that, uh, that slide and uh, a lot of good takeaways. So if, if I could sum up just a little bit before we get to the Q&A, and this is everyone's cue to start thinking of the questions you'd like to ask while we have Abbas and Kyle uh, here with us. Um, you know, there's no problem in having a UK pension if you're a US resident. There's just problems in administering it. Um, there's no problem in, in taking money out of it. There's just the, the functional problems of, you know, you might have lots and lots of pounds or a pound income but yet you're leading a dollar life. And so if you know, the pound dollar uh, goes the other way, then you might have a lot less income than you think. Um, also things to consider uh, about the 25% tax-free, again, all of our lives are a little bit different than our neighbors or the person we sit next to, or you know, our friend uh, when we play Wednesday five aside, um, because they might not be American or might not be US residents themselves. So they're probably not you know, facing the same challenges that, that we are. Um, uh, as a group because they're not facing you know having assets in one country or the other and then living in the other country potentially and drawing it down um, and then also always look at what are the you know the the, the longer term implications of, of having this if you're looking at estate planning and who do you leave this who do you bequeath this to uh, through your estate um, as a practical challenge uh, it might be a good pot of money to run down earlier rather than later and perhaps leave your IRA or 401k to your US resident uh, children or nieces or nephews, or the other way around, if you've retired back to the US and your children have stayed behind in the UK where they might've been raised, uh, maybe it's better to leave them the UK pension as opposed to the IRA or the 401k that you also have. So with that, I see there, uh, there is a, a question uh, posted um, for, for Kyle or a boss. Um, what if you want to move the UK pension to another European account? Do you handle these types of accounts? Um, 
I think uh, Kyle mentioned, you mentioned something about the transferring of a UK pension across country borders. Um, how is that treated again? Uh, transferring a UK pension across borders, um, and I'm sorry, Chris, uh, you cut out at the very beginning of that. Are we talking from a US perspective or a UK perspective uh, when you say how is uh, it treated? Well, I assume from a US perspective is this is a, 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 a webinar on UK pensions for US residents. Um, so I assume the person who asked it is, is US resident, but I could be incorrect. Just wanted to clarify. Um, yeah, so it's going to be treated as a taxable transfer, a taxable distribution of that pension, essentially. So even if you moved it into, um, again, not to use acronyms, these, but you, some of you may have seen the acronym QROPS, which is Qualified Registered Overseas Pension. Even if you moved it and the UK views it as a non-taxable transfer from one pension to another recognized pensioner in the QROPS program, the US is going to view that as a taxable distribution of assets most of the time. Uh, we, we, again, we are not accountants, so I cannot say 100% of the time. I, I do not, it's never good to talk in absolutes anyway, but Generally speaking, that is always going to be, uh, as I say, always, that is most of the time going to be viewed as a taxable event in the U.S. So it's going to be a full taxable income uh, of whatever sum you transfer from one pension to another. In other words, you, you've basically eliminated the benefits of the tax deferral that you've worked so hard uh, across the years to build up inside of that pension account. Very good point. Very good point. We always have to consider both countries' taxation and the impacts. Um, again, I, I happen to be married to uh, a British person who's not American, crucially, um, and our tax situation is quite different. We think about things a little bit differently because I have to consider both the IRS and the HMRC. So whether the HMRC allows it, that's great. But if the IRS says it's an entire distribution and you've just liquidated your pension and you owe us a lot of income tax when, when liquidating your entire pension that you've accumulated over your working life, I'm probably not going to do that. Um, I don't need that much income that badly uh, in one year. Um, another question, if you're a US citizen, but currently UK resident and you plan to move back to the US in the coming years, is there a, a checklist of things you should complete before moving back to the US? That's a very interesting question. Kyle Abbas, I don't know if you guys have, have checklists, maybe laminated cards <coughs> that you handle, hands to your clients who are getting on that flight at Heathrow and, and going back to the US, uh, to yep. leaving their job and restarting their life back home? That is a very handy question. And um, conscious of time here and more questions that we have, I will say that we've actually posted a blog in the last couple of weeks that very much addresses that, um, that issue. So if you are looking to move back, it, we have produced a blog. So if you go onto our website and you have a look at um, some of our blog posts, uh, you will see our most recent one uh, being about moving back to the US and how to position yourself appropriately prior to a move back, which is very much a checklist on what you should be considering. Fantastic. What a timely question that was. Um, and then last but not least, Kyle or Boss, do you guys know any uh, accountants who might do US and UK tax? And, and why is it worthwhile having uh, one accountant do both of your taxes? We do. Um, I, Abbas and I do. I'll take this one, but but we all do. Um, we work with a number of accountants, a, a very, very large number of accountants. I mean, it, relative to this space, at least, um, simply because of everything that we've said over and over again during this presentation, we as Tanager are very good at tying together and building the big picture. But when you get really into the weeds of tax and you have to actually issue a, a memo or fill out an actual tax return saying that the 25% tax-free tax lump sum will be tax-free in the US. 
we are always going to defer to accountants. So we're happy to provide um, referrals to to accountants. We're happy to do that, and of course, for our own clients, or if you were to become a client, we would insist and want to work with them very closely, kind of hand in glove. So um, you can use the email and the contact information on this slide that you see, contact at Tanager Wealth to reach out if you're interested in that, um, in, or if you're interested in just talking to one of us, uh, and we can provide that for you. Um, and I don't see any other questions in the Q&A, but I do have a list of questions that some of you submitted beforehand. Uh, Sorry, Chris, did, yeah. did you have one? No, I, I was just going to wrap up conscious of time. Um, but if there were any of those that, that did strike you, I think we've we've probably went over quite a few of those um, in our in our back and forth here. Um, but if there's any of them that struck you, such as the you know exceeding the lifetime allowance uh, discussion, then it would be useful for everyone to hear. So the one I had was not the lifetime allowance. It was actually transferring a DB pension to a SIP. Um, that question had come in and. We had mentioned that earlier, and I just wanted to to circle back and cover that at a high level because I think we talked about a lot. But the the one thing I just want to reiterate is is where does Tanager come into all this? How do we actually help you? And when you're transferring to a, D, a DB pension to a SIP, you do require specialist advice. Uh, we work closely with um, a few partners that help us provide that advice because it, it generally should be kind of a third party with no bias one way or the other, and they have to legally start with the assumption that your employer scheme, your DB pension, defined benefit pension, is um, is the better of, is the best option you can have. And essentially, when you're transferring out of a defined benefit scheme, it is the job of this person to prove that it is within, without a doubt, in your best interest to move out of the defined benefit pension and into uh, a personal pension or a, a self-invested personal pension, which is the solution that we provide. And um, so we do provide, uh, or we do have partners that we work with. The, the thing is they can't really manage it on the back end. So without a solution similar to Tanager's, um, you know, providing those names wouldn't help you very much. Uh, so you, you, you basically, we would make that introduction happily if you were to reach out and contact us and chat with us and see if our solution might work for you, but contacting them, but, you know, without an end solution in place wouldn't really do much for you. But um, I, I do think it's worth noting that where Tanager comes in here is really handling the practicality of all this. So there are areas where we've said in this presentation, we have to defer to your accountants. And then the defined benefit, we have to use a, a third party specialist to kind of do an analysis on, is it in your best interest to transfer? Well, Tanager comes into this because in practicality, you have all of these issues, but no one really ties it all together. And that is what Tanager does is we tie it in, we tie it into your financial plan we identify the issues, we say how it should work best or most efficiently in practice, and then we really want to verify all of that with your accountants and the, the real uh, specifics with the respective professional being it tax or estate planning or, or something else. But you know, you hear these issues and you might think you just need an accountant or you just need an estate planner. But quite often, if you just go to an accountant with all of these questions, how do I claim my pension? Um, how does it fit in with my US assets and retirement? How do I do all this? You know, they're not going to be able to help you with all that. So that's where we come in, and that's what Tanager does quite well. Is is we tie these international baskets of accounts and assets into a coordinated plan and strategy to achieve your goals. I think that was a fantastic way to to leave it there. Um, I don't see any other questions uh, in the Q and A. 
I want to thank everyone who's attended today. Thank you for your time and thank you for taking the effort to listen to a topic that I know is uh, quite challenging for many of us uh, to figure out, but is, is very necessary knowledge um, for those of us that are you know, living with one foot on either side of the Atlantic. And I want to thank my, my co-hosts and partners, Kyle and Abbas, uh, for taking time to share their expertise with everyone. And with that, I'd like to thank you again and have a great day.